The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of leading conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we have a very special guest here, Stephen M. R. Covey, who is the best-selling author of The Speed of Trust, The Only Thing That Changes Everything. And he's also the leader of the Global Speed of Trust practice for Franklin Covey. Stephen has a long history of success leading organizations and supporting and helping organizations to be their best. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hi. Great. It's great to be on the show, Cheryl. I'm really delighted to be with you here. It's great to have you here. So tell us where you are today. <clears throat> well, I'm actually um, calling from my home. I'm in the Rocky Mountains near the Sundance Ski Resort. I just Ooh. mentioned that i just uh, coming back from a trip um, where I was in uh, Central America, in Costa Rica, Panama, and El Salvador uh, oh. just last week, and that was a lot of fun. Wow, so you, you get around. <laughs> I get around a little bit. And, and, you uh, do. But, well, we're grateful that, 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 that makes it even more enjoyable to, to, to kind of present this message that I have uh, in different parts of the world. Oh, that's terrific. Well, we're grateful that you're here with us this morning. So, Stephen, um, let's talk about the speed of trust and why this topic interests you so much. Let, first, let's start by, by defining trust. How do you see it? <clears throat> well, here's, here's a very simple definition. By trust, I simply mean confidence. Confidence. In fact, in some languages, trust and confidence are the same word. There's no mm. distinction. Um, another way to look at it is look at the opposite of that, of, of distrust. Distrust is suspicion compared mm. to confidence. See, I, I, feel sus- I, I don't feel confidence when there's um, suspicion, if I'm suspicious about someone's agenda right, or about right. their motive or even about their capabilities. I feel suspicious, but when I feel confidence, that's the basis of the trust. And the confidence really comes from, from two sources. It comes from character. I've got confidence in their character, but it also comes from competence. I have comp- confidence in their competence, their ability to perform, to deliver. And so it's really right. those two dimensions, character and competence, that create this confidence that we're talking about. Oh, that makes so much sense. So you challenge us with this, with the idea that um, the old assumption around trust, that it's a soft virtue, that it is really not important in organizations, um, you challenge us to say that's not an assumption that holds any longer for us. 
Exactly right. <clears throat> exactly right. And here's the thing, Cheryl, is everybody knows trust is a good thing. I've never had anyone argue against it. Of course, people are saying, yes, we need to have trust. But for many, not for everyone, but for many, it's still seen as a soft, nice-to-have social virtue. <laughs> hmm. I mean, it's a positive, of course, but it's still seen as kind of soft and no, let's get on to real business. And, yeah. and I, I kind of flip that right on its head and show how trust not only is a social virtue, which it is, mm-hmm. but in addition... It is a hard-edged economic driver that's affecting the speed at which you can move and the cost of doing anything. And I make the argument that when, when trust goes down in a relationship or on a team or in a company or in a marketplace, when the trust goes down, mm-hmm. you will find that the speed goes down with it. Everything will take you longer to do, and the cost goes up. Everything costs you more to do. Why? Because of all the steps you have to take to compensate for that lack of trust. Now, that is what you might call a tax, a low-trust tax, and, mm-hmm. and it happens all the time when trust is low. But thankfully, it works the other direction, too, and that is when, when the trust goes up in that relationship or on the team, in the company, with the customer, in the market, when the trust goes up, you're going to find that the speed goes up with it. You can do everything you need to do faster, much faster, while the cost comes down. It costs you less to do it. Now, that is what we might call a dividend, a high-trust dividend. Mm -hmm. And it really is that simple and that real and that predictable, playing itself out everywhere. And and so suddenly, we take this idea of trust from from merely being seen as the, you know, nice-to-have, soft social virtue Mm -hmm. and, you know, a good thing, positive thing, but not real business, and say, hey, let's reframe this, that yes, it's a social virtue, and it's an economic driver, because it always affects speed and cost, and you can measure speed and cost. You know, I'm always curious how thought leaders such as yourself um, start moving toward an idea. You know, what Mm -hmm. is it that got you curious about this enough to ultimately do research and write a book on this? I'll tell you, it was my own experience as a practitioner, mm. as a doer. I, when I when I first became the um, CEO of Cutter Leadership Center, I started to notice supplier relationships that we had, where we had high trust, and others that were lower trust. Where we, you know, we weren't, we weren't quite confident in the partnership, but right. we we had stayed with them because we needed to have a a redundant source, mm. and. And I noticed that where we had low trust, we had to take all these steps to compensate for that, oh, which boy. took longer, cost more. You know, we had to add in sp- special inspection and processes and things. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I said to my team, well, well who's paid for all this? <laughs> yeah. And they, all these extra steps we had to take. And they said, well, you know, well, well we are. And I said, well, why? And, and I, I said, look, this, this part, you know, this supplier we trust, this supplier we don't, and this, this the one we don't, it takes us longer, costs us more. It's kind of a, just a very simple thing, and then I started to see it everywhere. Then I started to see it in with customers, and I started to see it with our own people, that whenever we had trust, we moved fast with less cost. Whenever there was low trust, it took us longer, it cost us more. And and then once I started to see it this way, then, it, you know, it was everywhere. And, and, and I said to myself, you know, well, wow, there's... Now, this is not just 
trust is not just some nice thing. This is financial. Mm-hmm. This is economic. Right. And that was right. the first big aha. And the second big aha, again, came from um, again, my, my own practice. And that was when we merged our company, uh, Covey mm-hmm. Leadership Center, merging with Franklin Quest to form Franklin Covey. And, you know, two great companies coming together, and yet when we came together, we had some challenges initially. It's because mm-hmm. we had been competitors before, and now we're coming together, and, and the trust wasn't where it needed to be. And and um, it's not that we'd done things to violate it. It's just that we'd mm-hmm. done nothing to build it yet. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and, so, and so I saw, you know, I, I, we had built such a high-trust company before, and now we're in a new environment in which the trust was low, and everything was taking forever to get get anything done and, right. and everything every decision was questioned and analyzed and 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 interpreted and and it was costing us more and so I, I kind of saw the negative side of the low trust after having seen the positive side having built high trust right and and then we decided to focus on it and we became uh, we really built it consciously deliberately we, we grew the trust on purpose by by saying we want to grow the trust and we're going to behave in ways that will help us do it. And when we did that, we, in fact, increased the trust. We moved the needle on it. And and that kind of made me realize, you know what? You can move the needle on this. You can get good at this. You can grow it. Just like you can lose trust, you can also gain it. You can grow it, and you can do it deliberately. And we've done it. And everything is affected by it, for positive or for negative, depending on right. whether it goes up or down. And so it's kind of out of those experiences of just as a practitioner, seeing how trust is not just some nice, fluffy thing. This is, mm-hmm. this is economic. This is affecting right. everything, and we can get good at it. And that was exciting. That, that piece, you can get good at it. And it sounds like what you did was you created a common language in that, during that merger, and you created a new, like a new game board. Everybody knew, or, or a new field. Everybody knew what field they were playing on, as opposed to two separate organizations who still have their own separate languages and, you know, almost speaking foreign languages to each other can't communicate. Is that, would you say that describes what you, what you did? I think it absolutely does. I think that, that that's what we tried to do, is we tried to create a common language. And with that common language, also clear expectations around how we would behave with each other from that mm-hmm. common language of, you know, right. saying things like, we're going to um, talk straight, and, mm-hmm. and we're going to create transparency with each other. And so that, you know, there's no hidden agenda. It will be an right. open agenda. And we're going to show loyalty to each other. And we're going to, um, you know, listen first and to demonstrate respect for what we hear. And, and then we're going to keep commitments and, you know, kind of these basic behaviors that are just common sense but oftentimes mm-hmm. aren't common practice. <laughs> right, and, right. And we had to... You know, we had to get on the same page with the language and then get on the same page with the expectations around how we would behave. And you're exactly right. That's that's kind of how we did it. And when we did it, we moved the needle and and, and deliberately grew trust. And, and with that, everything else also improved. Well, I like that, that what you're saying, that, you know, you, there are behaviors that you can actually name and translate those into skills that you can build. Yep. In fact, that's a, a big part of what we focus on with the speed of trust work is is that you can 
you can deliberately grow trust by behaving yourself into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the behaviors includes extending trust, giving it, because that's, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that's probably in some ways the biggest of them all, because that's the job of a leader, is to right. go first right. and to give trust. And you've got to be smart about it. You don't want to just give it out blindly to everybody and anybody without any judgment or, you know, um, consideration of the situation and the risk. But we need to lead out with trust and, and, to, and to give it. And, and there's many other behaviors that we can kind of identify that if you do these things, if you behave in these ways, you'll grow trust. And, and they're just straightforward things, like I just mentioned, you know, of talking straight mm-hmm. and creating the transparency and clarifying expectations and, right. and uh, you know, practicing accountability and, and um, you know, keeping the commitments, things like that, that if you do those things, if you behave in those ways, you will grow the trust. But what happens is in many organizations, it's not... The, the p- people sometimes don't do the behavior. Um, they do a counterfeit of it mm. where it kind of, you know, a counterfeit of talking straight is is when you spin and right. twist and manipulate and posture. It's when someone technically tells the truth, but they leave the wrong impression. You know, but they, mm. but they say, well, I didn't lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but you know what? They misled. Mm-hmm. And and then people say, well, you know what? I, I don't know that I can trust that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we've identified in the speed of trust these 13 behaviors common to high-trust people. I've, I've probably named seven or eight of them as I've been talking, you know, things like talking straight, creating transparency, writing right. wrongs, et cetera. And, but you could do the behavior. That will build the trust. You could do the opposite, which would destroy the trust. So the, opposite, the opposite of talking straight is, is when you lie. And that's pretty obvious that, you know, the opposite is going to destroy trust. The opposite sure. of keeping commitments is when you break a commitment. That will destroy trust. The danger tends to be, especially in the counterfeit. The counterfeit behavior is like counterfeit money. It looks right. like the real thing until you more closely inspect it. You know, that's when you realize that someone is technically telling the truth but leaving the wrong impression. They're spinning. That also causes people to lose trust. Or they, instead of keeping the commitment, they, they over-promise and then under-deliver. And, you know, in, instead of uh, taking responsibility and practicing accountability, they point the finger and blame it everybody else and, and so forth. And, and sometimes in many organizations, the counterfeit behavior can become the prevailing culture that's accepted, mm. you know, spin and says straight talk, hidden agendas instead of transparency, blaming mm. instead of taking responsibility, over-promising instead of keeping commitments, and the net effect is trust goes down. Mm-hmm. And maybe not quite as fast as if you do the opposite, you know, you lie and, sure. and, and such, but, but that's not sustainable. This other is a little bit deceptive. And, and, and so what we need is, you know, is leaders that know how to, how to create trust in a world of declining trust. And well, and I dare it. say that the, the counterfeit trust is actually more difficult to deal with. It is. Yeah, you're, 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 it's more difficult because it's it's deceptive. Or the other one's kind of black and white, and you can uh-huh. see that you know what that's the, that's not going to work. That's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. You know, someone that lies, they, they're not going to they, they they can get away with it for a while, but they can't sustain it. Sure. But the real danger is is when spin and deception is the prevailing notion. <laughs> that's harder to deal with. It's harder to address. It's harder to to you know. 
to get people to confront the reality that that behavior is not sustainable. And so, you know, we need leaders that model it first mm-hmm. and that expect it also of their teams and of each other. Well, you know, the wow, this takes me my mind in so many different directions. Um, the concept that of counterfeit, I'm very curious about this even more deeply because this could become insidious in a culture of an organization or or a family or mm-hmm. any kind of group, yep. right? And even in a relationship, and, yeah. Right, sure. And, and it becomes the norm, and I can see how people might even talk themselves into, well, this is okay. You know, uh-huh. it, it works for now because it's a little safe if I can hide in it. That's right. It, it gives the appearance of of safety, but also gives the appearance of acceptability, kind of like everyone does this or mm. the culture does this, sure. but it's just not sustainable, and it erodes the trust. And and it's really interesting because in these 13 behaviors, the behavior will be common sense to people. The opposite will be common sense to people. People will look at this and say, oh, of course, if you, you know, if you... Um, Deny if you instead of righting a wrong. See, righting a wrong builds trust. That's the behavior mm-hmm. that builds it. The opposite mm-hmm. is you deny the wrong, you rationalize right. the wrong, you justify right. the wrong. The danger is the counterfeit, and that is when you cover it up, <laughs> disguise it, and again that has the air of acceptability sometimes. You know, because you get by, and you know, we kind of made it. Well, you know, we kind of no harm, no foul type of thing. But ultimately, you might people might really question is what's the integrity here? Is it there? Is there a foundation of it? And and you can get away with it for quite a while with counterfeits. And many organizations are built on a lot of counterfeit behavior going on. And But as a result, though, they also are paying high trust taxes because the right. trust is low. And and, um, and when there's low trust, you'll pay a high tax for, for everything that you do. And so it ultimately does come down to behavior. And, and see, I think that's where leadership plays a role is we need leaders who start with themselves with the idea that the first job of any leader is to inspire trust mm-hmm. in terms of who they are right. and how they lead and, you know, the behaviors that they exhibit that manifest. And then when they lead out and start with themselves and behave in ways that grow the trust and that earn it and that, you know, model it for others, then then they're in a position to also expect that of their team or of people that they work with, and and they can begin to create a you know a, a high trust culture where the behavior is modeled and manifest, and and, uh, and that kind of perpetuates itself too into a virtuous upward cycle instead of the other direction. The counterfeit behavior tends to perpetuate the vicious downward cycle. Well, you know, um, we're going to need to take a break right now, but when we come back, um, I really want us to look at the way you have structured this. We've we've moved right into the the relationship um, trust behaviors, which I love, but I want us to be able to give people um, kind of a strong overview, a picture of how they can categorize all this in waves. We'll be right back.
Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio, every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and we're speaking with Stephen M.R. Covey today, who's the best-selling author of The Speed of Trust, The One Thing That Changes Everything. So, Stephen, you describe um, trust in the broader sense in waves. Tell us about this. Well, here's the idea. Imagine the ripple effect where the drop of water comes down and then the the ripples go out, the waves go out. And and so that's the notion of of of, of that trust is like that ripple effect, the the waves. And I describe the waves of trust. And the first wave, you know, where where that first ripple begins, the first wave, is with yourself. Mm. That is, all trust starts with you, with each of us. Self trust. And by self trust I mean really answering these two questions. First, do I trust myself? Do I trust myself? And then second, do I give to others a person they can trust? Do I give to others a leader they can trust? That's what self-trust means, trusting yourself and giving to those that you work with and lead and, and, and associate with a person that they can trust. And the reason that's so important is that if you think about it, you're going to have a hard time sustaining trust with other people if at the end of the day you don't really trust yourself. Because what happens is people tend to project out that distrust that they might have for themselves into their relationships, onto their teams. And a similar thing with the second half of the self-trust, and that is that you're also going to have a hard time sustaining trust with other people if... You're not trustworthy. <laughs> you know, how are you going to sustain that? You might get away with it for a while, but can you sustain it? And so you always start with yourself, self-trust. You then ripple out. So you imagine, again, the drop water. The first mm-hmm. wave is self-trust. The second wave as it ripples out is relationship trust. Mm-hmm. This now is building trust one-on-one in each and every relationship. 
um, with a partner, with a family member, with a business associate. You build the trust in each relationship. And again, you can see why it's inside out. Because you start with yourself, and that naturally ripples out to building trust with others. You then move from the relationship trust into what we might call organizational trust. And that could be trust on the team or in the group, or in the unit, in the company. You can define the organization however you want. It could mm-hmm. be the whole company. It could be the team that you're part of or that you mm-hmm. lead. And, and, um, but, you know, rather than just starting at the organizational level and saying, you know, we've got to build trust at the organizational level, my experience is the best way to build trust at the organizational level is to still build it from the inside out. Yes, build it at the organizational level, but focus on building the self-trust in the people and their own credibility and then the relationship trust in the organization so that so that people are building relationships of trust and that builds out naturally so that it ripples into the organization. Too often, we might see, sometimes see in an, in an organization, let's say, a, a conflict between manufacturing and marketing, just to use a common mm-hmm. example, and where they, the divisions don't get along and if you trace it back, many times you're going to find that the, the head of manufacturing and the head of marketing don't trust each other. <laughs> and that gets rippled out into the entire organization right. when, when it doesn't happen at the top. So, you know, you start with yourself, you move to relationships, then you move into the organization. It then ripples out again into another wave. And that wave, the fourth wave, is market trust. And that, see, is trust external of the organization. So that's trust with the customers, trust with the partners and, and shareholders and you know external stakeholders. And that ripples out naturally from the organizational trust. And you try to build that trust. That's really about your reputation, your brand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you think about it, Cheryl, you know, a, a brand is really nothing more or less than trust with the market, trust with the customer. You have a promise, and then you, do you deliver on that promise? And and, um, and that's your reputation, your brand. And then we ripple out into one last wave, the, the fifth wave, and that is societal trust. And that's the context in which we operate. And, and the key principle there is contribution. It's creating value. It's, it's making a difference so that we counteract all the cynicism, the suspicion that's everywhere out there in society with giving back, with contributing, creating value. And, and uh, you know, that's what helps elevate all of society. And so I, I like to say that if you want to diagnose a problem or, a situ- or an opportunity, you diagnose best from the outside moving in. You know, you look mm-hmm. at the context in society and then you look at the market. You look into the organization and, and you move inside. But if you want to change something, if you want to develop something, if you want to transform something, you do that best from the inside moving out. Hmm. So it is with trust. Trust is best built from the inside out. You start with yourself. Do I trust myself? And do I give to others a person they can trust, a leader they can trust? Then I move into my relationships, building that trust one-on-one in each of the relationships, building the trust account, the trust bank, so to speak, Hmm. in each relationship through my behavior, through my credibility. Then I move into my team, into my group, into my organization. Then I ripple out from there into the marketplace with customers and partners. And then I ripple out from there into my impact into all of society. And so I use the metaphor of the ripple effect waves and these waves.
waves of trust, starting with yourself, moving to your relationships, moving to the organization, moving into the market, and finally having that ripple out into all of society. That's kind of a holistic framework and overview of both how we might diagnose trust, but more importantly, I think, is how we might develop and transform um, a culture of trust and that it ultimately has to be an inside-out process. It can't be something that people do to us. It's something that we, we create, starting with ourselves, and, and then we move it out, and, and it ripples out. And, you know, it's not a lockstep thing. It, we can do it simultaneously sure. in terms of how it ripples out, but it always has to include those dimensions, our, ourselves and our relationships. You know, I, it makes me think about what's been going on in um, large corporations for the last few years where the public is losing confidence in many right. large organizations. And, you know, oftentimes um, what's going on falls under the category of being unethical. What's the difference, or how does ethics play into this? Well, ethics is a huge part of this because um, I, I put it this way, at the at the um, the base of any trust is integrity. Um, you know, this self-trust is all about the character and the competence, and the root of character, the roots, is the integrity. And, and, that's, and that includes the ethics. It, it includes honesty and truthfulness. It includes congruence, which is doing what you say that you value, you know, walking the talk and doing the right thing even when there's a cost or a consequence. I mean, I would argue, especially when there's a cost or a consequence, you do the right thing. That's, that's the real test of integrity. Because it's relatively easy to have integrity when there's no cost or consequence. Mm-hmm. You know, it's relatively easy to have ethics when there's no cost. Mm-hmm. The test of the ethics and of the integrity is when there's a cost or consequence. Do you still do the right thing? And... and um, and that's where you kind of really earn and win and demonstrate the, the credibility that you have, the believability. Mm-hmm. And so ethics and integrity is the foundation of this, is the roots. But by itself, it's still not the only thing. You know, it's, it's that phrase, it's necessary but insufficient because you also still need to be able to have the competence side of this, and that is that you need to be able to deliver, to perform, and mm-hmm. to, to produce. And Because someone that's honest, but they can't deliver, they don't perform, um, you know, you might trust them if you needed to go on a vacation and, and uh, have someone watch your apartment or your home while you were gone, because they're very honest, but mm-hmm. you, may not, you may not trust them on the key project that has to be done well and on time if they don't have a track record of performing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the flip side is clearly true as well. If someone's high in competence but low in character, they don't have that integrity, they're not ethical, then you're also not going to have a hard time, you know, you're going to have a hard time trusting them because even though they can deliver, you're going to be wondering, what's their agenda here? What's their motive? Are they being honest? Are they doing something that's going to embarrass the firm or, or me? And, and you're not going to trust them. So you're looking for that combination of the character and the competence. So the ethics fits in as the character side, the roots, and it is, you know, the, the first among the equals. But the competence is its equals. 
it is as equal. And and um, so I put it this way: you'll never have uh, trust without ethics, but it's possible to have ethics without trust. Hmm. In other words, you know, um, you'll never have the trust if there's no ethics, because that right. is a condition. It's a necessary condition. Right. It is the root. It is the first piece. But I still could have ethics and still not have trust if I don't have the competence side, if I don't have the capabilities and the relevance and the current and deliver and perform. So I think trust is kind of an even bigger idea um, because it encompasses both those dimensions, the character side mm-hmm. and the competence side. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not downplaying the ethical integrity side at all because, again, that is the first piece. You'll never have right. trust without it. I'm just right. trying to also highlight the the second dimension, the competence dimension, and how that also is vital. And and that way, I give a little bit of a harder edge to trust and show how it's both character and competence. So well, it but, also you know, it, it, it what sounds like what you're also doing is is giving organizations um, a framework that they can live into their ethics. Yep. You know, it's it, ethics very often, um, what I see in organizations around the world, ethics comes out as a statement or, you know, what we stand for. And yet people don't know how to put that into action. And when a situation um, occurs where they have to say, oh, you know, maybe this isn't the right thing to do, there's no place for them to have that conversation. And it seems like what you're doing is you're giving people, again, giving them a language and giving them a structure within which to have that conversation. You know what, Cheryl, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that that is the starting point, is the language so they can talk about this and a mm-hmm. framework so they can think about this. Mm-hmm. And then a process so they can maybe work on it. You know, this holistic five ways that shows how it's an inside-out process. And that way they know where to start. But without that language, without that framework, trust remains quite nebulous. And this idea of ethics and integrity also is kind of, you know, yes, important, but they don't know quite how to make this actionable and, mm-hmm. and accessible. And and that's a big part of it, is trying to make this practical for people so they can see, you know what, it's not just theory, this is real. And mm-hmm. I can look at it this way and see it. You know, here's what we stand, you know, here's our, these are our values. Now, do we do, we do what we say that we value? You know, here's the test of integrity. There's a cost if we do the right thing. What do we do? <laughs> and, and, you know, when you, when you do the right thing, <clears throat> even when there's a cost, that creates a credibility, a believability about you that becomes the foundation to build all the trust. And you can build it very fast when you start with that foundation of credibility, of believability. And the, and the key to that is starting right with that integrity, with those ethics. And the, the people, the leaders that do it that way, that, be, that get known for ethics and integrity, and that they'll always do the right thing, that their word is their bond, mm-hmm. they, they are able to build trust better and faster than about anybody because that reputation, that brand becomes part of who they are. It precedes them. Right. And, and, um, and you earn it in those difficult times when, when, right. you know, when there's a cost to it. And that's when you earn it. So, you know, there are, uh, I, I talk to CEOs all the time who 
feel like they get into these places where choosing to be forthcoming about a situation or an event, um, their perspective is this could be dangerous if we talk mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what do you, how do you counsel CEOs like that or leaders in organizations when they're up against things like that? I counsel this, that the more transparent, open they can be about it, the, the, the sooner rather than later, the better. The more they can talk straight about it as opposed to spinning, the better. Now, I know that there's, there's a lot of fear on that with, mm-hmm. with today's society and also a lot of legal concern, you know, because mm-hmm. sometimes the attorneys will advise the opposite and they'll say, you know, you don't want to say anything. Yep. And, and that might be good legal advice, but it may not be good business advice. It may not be good leadership advice. And you really have to weigh the trade-offs. And the question is, um, is this going to come out anyway? And should it come out? And if it does need to come out, be transparent about it sooner rather than later. You'll get far more credit for it. If, if it's dragged out of you later, um, <laughs> you won't get credit. You'll be seen as stonewalling and having things to hide. And then you'll get a perception that you can't trust this person or this company. And then people will, you know, not give you the benefit of the doubt going forward. But you can take tough if you if you can take tough things head on, be as forthcoming as possible, as transparent as possible. Maybe challenge some of the conventional wisdom and notions of, you know, of you can't reveal that, you can't disclose that, and say, well, why not? Why shouldn't we? Maybe challenge some of those illegal things. And again, I'm not saying don't get your legal advice. People need mm-hmm. to still consider that. Sure. But just to, to weigh it all out and right. to say, you know, and to recognize that transparency creates trust and the lack of transparency will diminish it and it will create a perception of having a hidden agenda, a hidden motive. And so I say lead out with as much transparency as possible. Mm-hmm. Lead out with as much straight talk as possible. Confront reality. You know, take things head on. If you need to right a wrong, right the wrong. And I look at some of these... Uh, you know, tough things that have come out with, you know, uh, BP and and, right. um, and the oil spill. And, you know, and, and they're doing a lot of things well, but they also took them a while to kind of be yeah. seen as doing a lot of things well. They were slow in responding, and it was seen that they were not being transparent, not talking straight. Mm-hmm. And they kind of got behind the eight ball early on. And in spite of the fact that they are doing a lot of things really well, in terms of trying to address an extraordinary challenge. But they got off to a very slow start, and, and you get a perception that builds up. And, you know, you, you can't talk yourself out of a problem that you behaved yourself into. <laughs> the only way out of that problem is mm-hmm. you've got to behave your way out of the problem. And, and so <clears throat> I have found that the leaders that lead out with transparency, that are as forthcoming as possible, they'll earn people's trust, get it back. I saw that with... Um, JetBlue and David Needleman right. a few years ago <laughs> when they had that a few years ago they had that uh, ice storm on the east coast that yeah. grounded all kinds of airlines and and JetBlue had some operational snafus and and you know rather than deny it or, or blame and point the finger and blame on the weather and 
they just took responsibility. They led out with it. They took out full-page ads in the USA Today and New York Times and other places, and they said, you know what, we apologize. We were wrong, and here's what we're going to do about it. And they created a customer bill of rights, and they, they made restitution for their wrongs. So they, you know, they made up for it, made, them, mm-hmm. made people whole, and, but they acknowledged it. They, you know, David Needleman went on the television and apologized, and, but they did it immediately. They did it transparently, openly, and you know what? And people forgave them because they, it was seen as they had an issue, and here it is, and they're resolving it. Right. Compare right. that, you know, to a situation where it feels like, you know, you're, you're stonewalling here or you're hiding here. You're mm-hmm. only revealing what your attorneys are saying to let out, and I don't know. I, I, I don't want to override the good legal advice that people give, but I can just tell you that that we also have to balance that with leadership advice, and, and that is that the more transparent you can be, the more forthcoming, the more authentic, the more real, the more trust you'll build. And trust is the essence of leadership. It is the foundation of leadership. And without trust, you're not leading. It was Warren Bennis who put it this way. He said, mutual, excuse me, leadership without mutual trust is a contradiction in terms. See, we're not leading if we're not creating trust. And if we're not creating trust, people won't follow and people won't believe what we say. So we need to lead out with trust. And that includes being transparent and talking straight and being forthcoming. And, and so that'd be my general, general advice. And then you have to look at the other legal advice or, you know, sure, circumstances sure. that you're in. And But... There's even in medicine an increasing body of data that shows doctors who apologize mm-hmm. are sued less. Right. But the prevailing notion of legal advice is don't apologize because that admits guilt and you're going right. to get sued. Right. Well, there might be some truth to that, but the, there's an emerging body of data that shows it's actually quite the contrary, that if you apologize, you're sued less than those that don't because you know, why do people sue? People sue when they're wronged. And when they're right. mad, right. <laughs> and they right. stay mad when they're owed an, owed an apology and don't get one. So, um, you know, these are, this is the type of thing I'm talking about. So, it makes perfect just balance sense. this new dimension with the legal advice. Right. I love what you said, and I love the quote: "You can't talk yourself out of a problem that you behaved yourself into." Right. We have more to talk about with Stephen Covey when we come right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. 
Have you heard about sustainable investing? Simply put, it's investing in companies that commit to a resource to enhance the quality of life so it is not depleted or permanently damaged. And that means that resource will be around to benefit for the future. Join host Kara McMillan for Demand More, a program that will take you behind the scenes of sustainable investing. You'll learn to create wealth and feel great about it. In this economic period, you can lead, follow, or run away. It's your choice. Tune in Tuesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and we're speaking with Stephen M. R. Covey today. So, Stephen, you've given us a great foundation in in how to frame trust. You've given us behaviors that we can demonstrate, that we can build into organizations and, and begin with ourselves. I love what you said about that. And, you know, we there's the idea that we have to trust ourselves first, and then we have to trust others. You know, we have to extend trust. Talk a bit about that. Yes, and that um, I, I said earlier that you know the first job of a leader is to inspire trust through mm-hmm. our credibility, through our behavior. The second job of a leader is to extend trust, is to give it, and and um, you know and the leader needs to go first because someone needs to go first, and 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 yes, there's a little bit of risk in trusting people. There's also a risk in not trusting people. <laughs> And, and so we've got to find the balance on this. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, as a leader, we, we find the balance and we try to say, okay, I, I want to increase the trust. And so I choose to extend it and to give it. And, yeah, there's some risk. But if I don't do it, there's some risk, too. And, and, but if we get leaders that do that, here's why that's so valuable. It's because trust is reciprocal in nature. And when we give it out to people, they tend to give it right back. They return it. When we withhold it from people, they also tend to withhold it, and they return the distrust back. So one reason why many times employees don't trust their leaders is because the leaders don't trust the employees. Employees just reciprocate the distrust right back. Sometimes, you know, there's low trust between... uh, a supplier and the customer and the and their customer, or we don't trust our suppliers. When we don't trust our suppliers, they tend not to trust us back. If we don't trust our customers, they tend not to trust us to not trust us back. So that becomes reciprocal in either direction. You know, trust is contagious in either direction. So when we do extend the trust, others receive it and they return it. We trust our customers, they tend to trust us back. We trust our people, they tend to trust us back. When we lead out with trust first, most return the trust. Now, I know that there's a few that maybe don't, or maybe they abuse it. Maybe they take advantage of it. But what we can't do, Cheryl, is, is let the few define for us the many. We can't let the 5% that we, that we don't trust tell us about the 95% that we do and can trust. And too often that's what's happened. We let, we've let the 5 define for us the 95 and not the other way around. And... and um, but I believe that that's what a leader does, is they, they lead out with this. They go first. And that's the extending trust is the 13th, the 13th of the 13 behaviors. And it's the last one for a reason. It's because it's different in kind than the other 12 behaviors. It's, it's the essence of leadership. 
is that you give trust, you extend it. And if you do that, people respond to it. They rise to the occasion. It brings the best out in them. Let me just give you one example of this, um, a, a company example, and then I'll maybe give you a, a, another societal example. company example is, uh, let's take bestbuy.com, that, you know, they're, they're doing retailing online, and, and, um, and their employees were saying, you know, why don't you extend more trust to us? To us? Why, don't, why does it matter that we're all together here in this call center let us work where we want and when we want as long as we work well with high-quality standards and timeliness standards in terms of getting it done on time. And the company thought about it, was a little bit worried, but they decided that they would extend this trust with clear expectations, with accountability to it. And they did. They changed their whole notion to saying, okay, we don't care where or when you do your work as long as you do it, we- do it well and on mm-hmm. time. Well, here's what happened. In six weeks, productivity shot up 35%. Wow. People loved being trusted. They responded to it. And they had, it wasn't a blind trust where, you know, it was just, you know, okay, do whatever you want. No, they had clear expectations. They had high accountability. Mm -hmm. But in that context, they extended this trust. And people rose to the occasion. They were motivated by it. They wanted to prove the trust justified. And they performed better, and the productivity shot up, and they've sustained it. Um, I'll give you another one that's more of a social and societal one is is what Muhammad Yunus has done. He's the mm. individual that won the Nobel Peace Prize for his work in lifting people out of poverty, and and um, he formed the Grameen Bank. Well, the you know the Grameen Bank is a is a bank. It was based initially in in Bangladesh, and it was based upon extending trust, um, you know, making small loans to people. And I'm talking about 50 to to $100 loans and to people that just needed a chance to break out of the cycle of poverty. And so they'd extend these loans entirely on the basis of trust. They had, they had no legal documents for the loans. Mm-hmm. And people responded to it, and they, they were inspired by it. They rose to the occasion, and they repaid the loans. And what happened is what started as an, kind of an experiment turned into a real bank, turned into a movement. And today, the Grameen Bank is a multi-billion dollar bank that's making loans to people all throughout the world. And these are small $50 to $100 loans based, given out based upon trust, not upon contracts and legal agreements. And what's amazing is that They've had extraordinary success. Um, Muhammad Yunus and the Grameen Bank won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2006. And 2007 was the International Year of Microcredit, a whole movement that's been spawned from this. And what's amazing is that not only have millions and even tens of millions of people been lifted out of poverty, um, the payback rate on these loans is 99%. That's amazing, isn't it? Which is higher than the traditional bank by four times. Four times higher. Well, well, they're typically 96%. There's a 1% default Mm -hmm. versus a 4% default typically. In other words, people respond to trust, and they're inspired by it. It brings out the best in them. And I like to put it this way. Trust is the most compelling form of human motivation, a compelling trust. Mm How do you, um, we just have a few minutes left, how do you get someone who who 
has a propensity not to trust, either because of their experiences throughout mm-hmm. their lifetime or, um, you know, they've really been um, maybe put down in some ways in their organization for bringing things to light that, um, you know, maybe nobody wants to hear. And so they tend not to trust and they mm-hmm. hold things back. How do you help them move out of that? Well, I put it, I, I, you identified the key issue because sometimes people have a low propensity to trust either from past experience or, or different things that have happened to them along the way. And um, becoming aware of it is one thing because you can't act on this if you're not aware of it. Mm-hmm. But I also say there's two dimensions that work together. One is your propensity to trust. The other is analysis. And by analysis, I mean, you know, you, you assess the situation. You look at the risk involved, and then you look at the credibility of the people involved. And I'm saying use both those mm-hmm. pieces. And, mm-hmm. and so it's better to have a high propensity to trust, but also to have equally high analysis. If you have a high propensity to trust and low analysis, you know, you're being gullible. And that's right. what I call blind trust, and right. you'll get burned. And sometimes people feel like, well, I don't want to get burned. So I'm saying, okay, that's fine. You can still have a high propensity to trust, but, but also have equally high analysis. So don't, don't get rid of the analysis. No, keep that. Mm-hmm. But I say don't lead out with that. Lead out first with the propensity to trust and try to increase it, make it higher. Because why? You'll get better results with trust generally. I'm not advocating a blind trust, you know, or a, you know, an unwise trust, but rather a smart trust, mm. where is the whole idea of trust and verify as needed, but you lead out first with trust, not with the verification, unless the right. risk is just so great where it just makes more sense to lead out with the verification. So my experience has been this. If you can, if you can get people aware of their propensity to trust, if you can get them to understand they don't have to get rid of their analysis, they can still have that, but that doesn't necessarily need to be the starting point. And that if they will lead out with trust generally, they'll get better results than if they generally lead out with distrust. Then when people kind of look at this and assess this and become to the conclusion, I don't have to get rid of this. I don't have to trust everyone. I just right, have to be right. smart about it. Right. And I find that a lot of people say, okay, I'm going to look for more opportunities to trust and I'll add to it my analysis and use that the combination of those two things to say, I'm going to use my judgment to trust. And in some cases I will, in some cases I may not. But at least it's, there's a, what I call smart trust. And we're going to have to leave it right there. Stephen Covey, it's been great having you here today. I know people will want to know how to get to your website. What is that? Speedoftrust.com. Speedoftrust.com. And there's a variety of tools there I think that your listeners will find valuable to help them um, navigate this, including great. some great uh, free uh, stuff where they can measure their own self-trust. Great. That's wonderful. Thank you, Stephen, for being here. We'll have to have you back again and talk more about the speed of trust. And remember, everyone, to think big because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. 
Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.